Alright, so it's recording now. So I'm here with Brave Epstein Survivor, Maxwell Survivor, Maria Farmer. We've done many interviews with her in the past. The first one was an almost two hour long one before she was legally gagged. And we did another part. She's had her health situation battling cancer. She's recently been in there again. And, you know, we, we salute, we salute her that she's maintained this mission, even with all the, the challenges from health. Maria has brought on her friend, George Tonks and George, George, because you've not been on the channel before. Do you want to just introduce yourself to the viewers? Oh, yes. Yes. My name is George Tonks. I'm a Wexner survivor and, um, I will go into detail, um, about my, exactly what took place when I was 12 years old in Chicago. Yeah, because Maria told us, Maria told us yes. about the Wexner property and yes. what happened there. How did you guys yes. end up communicating? Okay, we, um, I was contacted when I was in prison by several attorneys and I received letters from not only the attorneys, but editors from Vanity Fair magazine and um, Stephen Hoffenberg. Um, and they were encouraging me to come forward with my experiences when I was a child in Chicago. I see. And when I first, when I first came in contact with um, Wexner and a group of his friends, I grew up in Chicago. And when I was younger, I was involved in the modeling and acting industry. So I would take the subway um, back and forth downtown on go season auditions. And um, at one point, our neighbor moved into a flat um, in Chicago in an exclusive high rise building. And I was lying on the sunroof. Um, I was young. I was 12 years old at the time. I was covered in Hawaiian tropic oil. I was spraying myself down with water. And an older gentleman approached me and told me that, oh, you look hot. I'm worried about you. You're sweating. You might um, ha have a heat stroke. Um, why don't you come down for a drink? So we were talking and um, I, I went downstairs with him. And when I walked into the penthouse, um, unbelievable. I walked in and I'll never forget it because there were actual mummies, Egyptian artwork, and the penthouse housed the largest collection of ancient Egyptian jewelry. And I had never in my life seen anything like that. And his the, the individual that um, approached me, his name was David Gailey. And when I walked in, he immediately offered me a soda and I started drinking the soda. And a few minutes later, we walked into one of the um, bedrooms. And what I noticed about the entire penthouse, there were cameras everywhere and everything was being recorded. And eventually they told me that that was because of the insurance company insuring the art collection. So they had to have recordings of everything. And um, at one point I'm in the bedroom and David just yanked my pants down and immediately started performing oral sex on me. And I had never in my life ever experienced anything like that. And at first, though, at, when I look back on it all, 
I realized that whatever was in that drink that he gave me, it was making me tired and I wanted to sleep. And David kept saying, you have to leave. You have to leave. You cannot stay here. I'm having company. Um, after he was finished performing oral sex on me and I left. And as I was leaving, he had said to me, oh, well, you know, we're having I'm having guests over tonight. If you'd like to come to visit me later on this evening, that would be okay." Now, I'm a 12 year old child and I went back to my friend's home, which she was our neighbor. Her name was Vicky. And I fell asleep. Um, I woke up and I actually did go back to the apartment, to David's. And I always had a problem with coming forward because I went back. And Maria, several, several attorneys had informed me that, no, you were a 12-year-old child. And they were committing the crime because you, they were molesting you. So... That's one of the reasons why I never wanted to come forward. I was a little scared. And um, I went back that evening and I'll never forget because I, um, the security let me upstairs into the other tower because there were two towers. And I went upstairs and I pushed the doorbell and an old, ugly, fat man with a wig on his head um, opened the door and he had a hospital jacket on yeah. no clothes underneath the hospital jacket. And later on, Leslie Wexner would refer to Alan's um, wig as his shadle. So the man that opened the door, his name was Alan Kramer. And when he opened the door, I said to him, is David here? And he says, yes, David's here. And I said, well, who are you? And Alan said, well, this is my apartment. And in the background, I saw David walking and he was walking around naked. So I walked into the apartment and immediately Alan um, had me sit down in an area in the living room. And Alan would sit in the corner and interview everyone and find out if they were close to their family, how their family ties were. And if you were close to your family, Alan did not want you around. But if you were not close to your family, then he pulled you in. So that evening, um, Alan Kramer and David Daly actually molested me and had sex with me and penetrated me. And at the time I was 12 years old, I was scared to death. I know that they had drugged me with something because you have two grown men um, doing this to me. And I'll never forget, they actually had um, towels that they wiped. I was actually bleeding. And at one point, I fell asleep and woke up the next morning. And I had said to them, is anything going to grow inside of me? Because I was just so naive oh, at the time. Awful. Exactly. And I did not know um, um, what would happen? I was so scared. So I ran out of the apartment and I went back to our, uh, my friend's home. And after that, um, I stopped communicating with Alan and, um, David. And then I would say approximately two to three months later, I'm walking in, in the lobby of the, um, uh, building 
And David approached me and Alan approached me and they were very concerned about my well-being. And they had asked me if I wanted to come to a party that they were having that evening. So that evening I um, actually, are you there, Sean? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm, 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 I'm listening mes too. mesmerized. Okay. You're, you're a very, okay. very powerful speaker, George. He's okay, so, so amazing at speaking. Yes. Yeah, so that, that evening I did go back and I walked in and that evening and the penthouse had all these older gay men with young boys there. And a lot of the older men um, introduced the young boy that they were with as their son. And Alan introduced me to an older man and he says, oh, um, I want to introduce you to Leslie Wexner. And I didn't know who Leslie Wexner was at the time. And Alan, I mean, David had said, well, he's here with his boyfriend. And Leslie was there with an older, I mean, I'm sorry, a younger native boy that was approximately 14 years old. And I had just assumed that was his boyfriend. So I go into another room. Wexner wanted me to go into another room. I went into the other room with him. And he started picking up Greek pottery off of um, shelves in one of the rooms where they had a Greek pottery collection. And Leslie was pointing to the Greek pottery and I'll never forget, he was saying, oh, look at his, this man's pee-pee on the, group, the um, Greek pottery. And he was like yes. turning the Greek pottery around. And at one point when I was in the room, Leslie just undid my pants and started performing oral sex on me. <sighs> he wanted me to perform oral sex on him, but I refused to do it. I just wouldn't do it. I had never done anything like that in my life at that, at that point, Aww. and I wouldn't do it. And at that time... Okay, I met Alan Kramer and David when I was 12. I met Leslie when I was actually 13. So I started going back and forth to Alan Kramer's apartment. And Alan Kramer was from a very wealthy family, Chicago family. And um, they were in the fur industry. And they had um, furries throughout the Eastern Europe at one point. And then they moved to Canada and then to the United States during the war. And um, so Alan came from a very, very wealthy family. And at one point, Alan and Leslie started sending me around to their friends, trafficking me to their friends, older men. Um, and at one point, Leslie sent me to his antique dealer. His name was Lincoln. And I actually, he wanted me to also travel with Lincoln. Is this and Lincoln Higgy? Yes, that's Lincoln yes. Higgy. Yes, I know who he is. Exactly. And yep. um, he, he wanted um, me to um, travel with Lincoln. And he, Leslie purchased first class tickets for me, but I refused to go. I changed my mind at the last minute and Leslie was extremely upset. And then at one point, um, Alan, I mean, Leslie flew in from Ohio to Chicago. They'd fly into Meg's Field. And Leslie... Um, I was supposed, I met Leslie at a hotel he was staying at, at Mich on Michigan Avenue. And this was just a horrible, a horrible thing happened. I arrived, he's staying in a beautiful suite. There were French doors going into the bedroom. And what was the hotel's name? 
The hotel was actually, yes, it was the Hilton Hotel on Michigan Avenue. And there were exclusive penthouses. Presidents would stay there at the time. It was a beautiful Hilton at the time. And um, he had a nice, beautiful suite. And um, Leslie, we were naked in the bed. And Leslie got on top of me. And the most hor- he did the most horrible thing. There was human feces everywhere. I had to rush into the bathroom. I was almost like I couldn't take it. I ran into the shower, took a shower, and I said, I'm leaving. I'm not staying. And he convinced me to stay. And he says, you're staying. You're not going anywhere. Don't worry. Everything is fine. And he was apologizing. And I stayed that night. And the following morning, he took me shopping to the water tower place and spent thousands of dollars on me. That's what they do. Yeah, exactly. He spent thousands of dollars on me. And it was strange because at Alan's house, okay, there were so many young boys coming and going. And I remember at one point, Maria, you had mentioned the fact that Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, it was exhausting. Um, as far as they said, girls they coming said, in and yeah, out. They said they were, it was an exhausting number of girls. I thought they said, of course, that they were auditioning people. Um, for, you know, for Victoria's Secret role or in various other modeling, you know, within the limited or L brands at the time. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at there's the time, so many, there were so many young boys coming in and out. They had actually, they had, Alan had a lot of his employees hang out at bus stops, picking young runaway boys up. And then they had um, guys um, that, I mean, recruiters that would actually go to gay organizations for runaway gay children at on Saturday groups and pick up young boys and bring them to Allen's yeah. house. And then a lot of the young boys were straight. So they had a lady by the name of Audrey who would actually try to convince them. Audrey that it was, was okay to- Audrey was the Gilan or the Sarah Kellen. Exactly, exactly. Audrey would teach the young straight boys how to perform oral sex on men, and they would convince, she would convince them that it was okay to do that. So at one point, um, Leslie Wexner flew in to Chicago, and this is at another, um, another weekend, and we went to a party called the Mafia Party. And the Mafia Party was held at different um, individuals' homes in their basements. And Alan had a Corvette at the time, and it was a two-seater. So I had to sit on Leslie's lap, and we went to Bill Peklo's home with Leslie Wexner's personal interior designer was there. But we actually drove to Bill Peklo's home, and we arrived. They, we, they take me downstairs in the basement, and it was unbelievable. They had slings hanging from the ceiling with flower pot holders with crystal oil in the flower pot holders. And they actually penetrated young boys with their fingers using Crisco oil. And then they had one room with bathtubs where they actually did horrible things to people. I mean, they would actually like go to the bathroom on people. And then they mm. had an enema room and then they had a, like a dungeon that was actually set up like a jail cell. And I was so frightened. I ran upstairs and was waiting to leave because I did not want to stay. I was frightened to death. And 
that was my experience with Wexter. And then at one point, um, there were always older men coming and going. It was unbelievable. They were coming in from everywhere, flying in. They were flying to different locations. Um, when I started questioning, Leslie and Alan threatened that they were going to contact my mother and father and tell them that I was gay. So I was very, very scared about that because my mother and father were very religious and I did not want them knowing that I was gay at the time. And they were Catholic, right? Yes, they were very strict yeah, Catholic. Absolutely. My mother goes to church every Sunday, even to this day. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what happened then after that, I was at Alan Kramer's home and John DuPont was there. And Alan introduced me to John DuPont. John DuPont immediately fell in love with me. He was obsessed with me. Um, he started spending money on me. He would fly from Philadelphia to Chicago just to see me. He had a private plane. They'd fly into Meg's Field. And eventually, I was flying back and forth to Philadelphia with him in his plane. And he convinced me to move to Philadelphia with me. And I lived with his mother, Jean, and him in the main house. And um, John actually changed my name to David Lee DuPont. And he would parade me around to several of the DuPont family members. I went to a reunion, a DuPont family um, reunion at one point at Longwood Gardens. And he told his relatives that I was his son. So crazy. It was so strange. And then what he did too, he would take me to Brooks Brothers and he wanted me to dress in preppy clothes. He had me wearing a blue blazer, striped ties. He had everything monogrammed with DLD and um, khaki pants, loafers. And at one point, I mean, even his mother had all my hand towels um, embroidered DLD on each hand towel. Um, it was unbelievable. And after that, um, John and I had a love-hate relationship. Whenever I would have a problem with John, he would have, I would go to his and stay at his friend's house, Jay Walter Eldridge, who was a doctor. And Jay had direct access to the Vatican. And I didn't know, a reporter had told me that when John DuPont, after he had shot um, David Schultz, when he was held up in his home, that he was actually on the phone with the Vatican at one point, and they have it all recorded. Now, I have not listened to the recordings myself, but actually two reporters said that that had happened. Okay, but, before, you um, tell your whole, before you tell your whole story. I would yes. like to intervene and just say a couple yes. things without being on okay. camera or anything. I just yes. wanted to say that one thing that's really important that this, why it's important that Sean is sharing this is because yes, Vanity Fair wanted to interview George. You asked how we met and it was through Vanity Fair and Vanity Fair wanted him to be part of it. But since Vanity Fair, when he rejected that since then, not because he rejected it, but since then, Everyone has wanted him to shut up. Not everyone. I mean, we have like great people working on this story with major publications, but I'm talking oh, about of course. Just, just because they had their own little story to peddle and they don't want anything interfering with it. Right. Oh, and yes, so of course. 
like here's the other thing, Sean, we're being bullied about the fact that it has come to um, our attention <laughs> very, very clearly through experiencing this case that the CIA was in charge of the whole thing. <laughs> and yes. And uh, and so people are like angry because I'm not saying it's Mossad. I'm like, no, it's actually this is state sponsored abuse from our own government. And it's just a really obvious thing. But anyway, the reason yes. I wanted to intervene and, is, wait, I want to say this because okay. people people act like this is the most ignorant thing. And I, I think people need to educate themselves before they criticize. They should probably educate themselves to the fact that most people in prison have been raped and or have been assaulted as children or have been molested. That's true. A lot of those people. And a lot of those people also, um, you know, if you're trafficked, I have a, a friend that's a female that was trafficked and she went to jail um, for a while it, it, just because that was part of her experience, you know? And um, so it's just amazing that people don't have the capacity to understand that survivors are not perfect human beings. They're actually just regular human beings who survived something. And in this case, we both survived Wexman. Okay, keep going. Sorry, I just yes, wanted to say that. Yes, and just mentioning that, okay, um, as far as with Wexner, when I look back, and this was odd, and you had mentioned that, less, I mean, that, that Gilan and Jeffrey did the same thing. Okay, right. they had a book. They made they a competition a out of it. Exactly. They had a binder, and they would actually take Polaroid photographs of all the boys, and the photographs were put in a binder, and then they would show us, like, as individuals, the binder of the other boys, and they would compare us to the other boys. And then we would think, oh, well, I don't look as good as he does, or my body isn't as nice as his body. So that's how they would try to manipulate our minds. And we were so young at the time that we were just upset because they were comparing us to the other boys and the right. young, other young guys. And even you had mentioned Gilan and Jeffrey doing the same thing with oh, girls. they made it a competition. In binders. Yeah. They made it a competition. Yep. And that's what Leslie and Alan did as well with boys. And a lot of people don't realize, and I don't know why, except for one a reporter from the Wall Street Journal is very aware of this. And she's been investigating Wexner for a long period of time. Um, she has Wexner a long had, time. Exactly. And Leslie Wexner had an entire, a totally, I mean, a, another life in Chicago before Jeffrey Epstein. Chicago was his stomping grounds during the 60s, 70s and early 80s before he went to New York. And um, so strange is how even his interior designer, Richard Himmel, who has done a lot of the Victoria's Secret stores and the Abercrombie and Finch stores, he was from Chicago and would actually go to the parties that the gay parties with young boys that Leslie Wexner and Alan Kramer would go to. And just recently, even though um, Richard Himmel was, well, he was bisexual, he was married and had children, which at the time, a lot of men were married as a front. But I was contacted by Roxanne Himmel, Richard Himmel's daughter-in-law, and she says, I'm just so glad there's someone still out there that knows the truth. And her and I had conversations. We direct messaged each other, spoke on the telephone. 
And she confirmed everything. And um, it, it was, it's just unbelievable what went on at that time. So after I moved in with John DuPont, um, John, like I said, would do anything for me. And he had given me a loan to open up DuPont to model management. And we were very successful and we booked a lot of models and actors. And at one point, um, I came in contact with Bruce Weber, who was um, um, Leslie Wexner's photographer. And oh, yeah. He shot everything. A lot of parents actually sued him for molesting their children. And it's documented. Um, anyone can do their research. He settled yep. out of court. And um, I went to, when, this is during the 80s, I went to Bruce and I had told him exactly what Leslie Wexner did to me. And um, Bruce had threatened me and said, "You, I advise you not to come forward with this and tell anyone else. And after being threatened a couple of days later, Leslie Wexner contacted me at my office in Philadelphia and went ballistic and started threatening me. And um, within a couple of days after that, I was no longer living with John DuPont at the time. John had contacted me and said, you have to change the name of the agency. You can no longer use the name DuPont Model Management. And then I was contacted by Pierre DuPont and he had said the same thing. He says, you cannot use our name any longer. And at the time, I started having problems with the DuPonts as well. And I was having problems with politicians that the DuPonts backed and put into office in Washington. Yeah, I want to say something. I want to say something. What people don't understand when they haven't been like owned and possessed by wealthy people, they don't understand that when you're in the middle of it, you don't even see a way to get out of it. Like when I was in graduate school and these people owned me and controlled every bit of my life. I didn't know there was another choice. I just thought, well, this no. is what it's like to be an adult or this is what it's like to be, you know, I was an adult. I was 25, 23 when it first started happening to me. And so I was an adult. You were just a little baby. People don't realize this. And then you, it, it was normalized for years. So you never did anything about it. Right. I mean, they, they know because they made me feel that it was normal that everyone was doing this. When I was 12, yes. I remember like Leslie and, um, Alan, they made me feel that this is just normal. There was nothing wrong with this until later on when I started questioning what they were go doing because there were just so many younger boys coming in and out and they were claiming that the younger boys were, a lot of the older gentlemen claimed that they were their sons, but they were not actually. They That was just right. a front. And it was just I was so young and they convinced me that this was all natural. This was all normal. And you, Maria, and a couple of the other Epstein survivors had to tell me, no, this was not, this is not normal. You were 12 no. years old. You were, I mean, they were committing a crime. It's disgusting. And there's actually no statute of limitations on this, just like my kidnapping, but no one ever goes after Leslie Wexner or holds the CIA accountable for anything. They just aren't. Yeah, keep keep going, George, with what happened to you next. Okay, and then from that point on, within, I would say within six months, I was threatened 
And at first, I did not want to change the name of the company from DuPont Model Management. And I started getting threatened by very powerful politicians. I started getting threatening by, threatened by Leslie Wexner, by the members of the DuPont family. And within a few months after that, I had the FBI at the door, the postal inspectors, um, the Federal Trade Commission, a federal judge in Philadelphia, and all of this is documented um, in court records at the, um, I mean, at the clerk's office for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania. Um, I was ordered to go to Washington, D.C. and sit through six days of depositions, which I did. And all everything is documented in depositions. I went into detail about everything. I went into detail about John DuPont, about Leslie Wexner. I went into detail about the DuPonts that threatened me, the politicians that threatened me. And then after that, my whole life for the last 30 years has been absolute torture. And we can get into that in another segment because it's been just horrifying what I have been through. Um, I've had FBI agents threaten. um, I was indicted for wire fraud. I have had FBI agents threaten former employees of mine with decades in prison if they did not agree to lie um, to the grand jury. And they wouldn't. I mean, Amelia refused, Amelia Yant refused to lie. She actually died under mysterious circumstances. Another lady by the name of Diane Catalano, who was also indicted, she died under mysterious circumstances because she refused to testify. And I'm not saying that all FBI agents are bad, but the FBI <laughs> agents that were the FBI agents that were involved in my case, the way they threatened, and they actually sent informants into the office to encourage my employees to lie to customers over the phone, which my employees said no. We refuse to do that. We're not lying. And just the way that the Southern District um, threatened employees, the prosecutors, the FBI agents threatened employees. I mean, I just believe that they need to be brought to justice. And even not only Leslie Wexner, but what about Alan Kramer? What about Bill Peckler, who was having the parties in his basement in Chicago and all the other older men, wealthy men who were having the parties in their basements throughout the United States. I want to see them prosecuted. And that's what a reporter from the Wall Street Journal said, who's been investigating Wexner for years. And you talked to the reporter. We know that she's amazing. Amazing. And she's the best. she's, She's the best. And she contacted me and she said that, Several years ago, okay, because she was one of the only reporters that interviewed Leslie Wexner, and she had a chance to interview him because she handled the apparel for the Wall Street Journal, and that after the interview, individuals came forward and said that he was involved with going to sex parties with men. And she said that at the time, and this was years ago, she approached the board at the wall, the editorial board at the Wall Street Journal and Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch, but they said that there's no one to corroborate this story. So a few months ago, the 
found out about me and contacted me. And she's like, this is unbelievable. This is exactly what I had approached the editorial board about several years ago. And she couldn't believe that she was able to get in contact with me. And she's working on getting my um, freedom of information um, information from the FBI, but not only the FBI, but from the CIA as well, because they have information regarding my case also. Hey, I want to say something about FOIAs. This is disgusting, Sean. I'm going to go back on camera. Okay, this is crazy. Our case, we, uh, we've had people trying to get our FOIA met for decades, right? Yes. My decades. attorney my attorney just received um, uh, something from the FBI that said that they're under no obligation to give us, to, to have kept a record of that report that long. So they got rid of it sometime after 2006 to cover themselves. Because see, the reason why those athletes can sue and get like a billion dollars is because somebody made a mistake in the FBI and released a FOIA based on FBI errors. And that's why they were able to sue. And I'm so happy they're able to. It's just really frustrating because our case has been covered up. And, you know. And even with my case, if you if you okay, if you look at my Twitter account at George B. Tonks, you will see that I have correspondences from the FBI. Now, I have had attorneys try to obtain my freedom of information for over 20 years, almost 30 years. And the date keeps changing. And just recently, I sent a letter to the FBI and their response was that they estimate that maybe in 2025 they could release my documents. George, when did you first go to the authorities about Wexner? Okay, I went to the authorities in 90, around 99, 98, 99, when the judge in Philadelphia, she ordered that I go to Washington, D.C. and give depositions to the Federal Trade Commission, okay, regarding the, what, the wire fraud. So I sat with my attorney for six days of depositions. I went into detail about everything that Wexner did to me. Everything. It's all documented. And they did everything. I believe they did everything they possibly could at the time to cover all of that up. And it's horrible. I mean, the way they destroyed me, there's no words to describe it. And what's strange is even Geraldo Rivera did a terrible story about me during the 80s. And Lauren Hutton was on the show. And a producer contacted uh, Lauren Hutton was on the show. And a producer. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're fine. Keep going. Okay. Okay. And a producer contacted me and said, oh, well, the FBI provided uh, and the um, Federal Trade Commission provided us with a script of question, a script and questions for the show back in the 80s. Let's just go over this a, a, bit, a bit more slowly. Okay, so you gave this information in 1998. And what, no, 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 19, no, 1989, 88, I'm, 89. I'm sorry, 1988-89, you gave this information. What yes. were you hoping to achieve by giving that information first? told my life story because I mean, I told everything that had happened because when I went in for the depositions, they wanted to know about John DuPont. What was my real name? Why was I using the name David Lee DuPont? 
So I went into detail about everything. And I told them that how I had met John DuPont at Alan Kramer's home when I was I was 14 years old at the time, 13 when I met him, 14 when I moved to Philadelphia with him and his mother. So I went into detail about everything. So when you gave the information, were you hoping that Wexner and DuPont were going to be held accountable? Time, I was, I was very young and I was frightened to death. And the attorneys kept telling me that just tell them exactly what happened. You have to just be honest. You're under oath. When they question you, you have to be honest. And I was being honest about everything. And that's what I, I did. And when they started asking me, well, can you tell me you're using the name David Lee DuPont. Why are you using the name David Lee DuPont? So I had to go into detail about when I first met John DuPont. And then they questioned me about Alan Kramer. They questioned me about Leslie Wexner. And I told them everything. I told them about what had happened with Leslie Wexner and I in the hotel room at the Hilton Hotel on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. I told them about the sex parties called Mafia. And what I cannot believe that the sex parties called Mafia are still in operation. Bill Peklo's home where the sex parties took place, Bill Peklo still lives there. He's in his 80s. Why aren't the authorities investigating? Like one reporter last week said, all the DNA in that basement the authorities should be searching that basement where the torture where the torture chamber was. Okay, George. So when it sounds like you gave the information in an ongoing case, but did there come a point? When was the first point when you wanted to hold these guys accountable? When I okay, when I went in, I was just being threatened that if. You, you don't understand. You got to change the name of DuPont model management. You're committing fraud. You could go to prison. You have to just not tell everyone that what happened. You cannot just tell everyone, just sit there, give the depositions, be honest. And that's it. That's what I did. And that's what the judge Norma Shapiro ordered me to do. Now, I, how old were you in 88, 89? Okay, I'm 56, 55 now. Okay, so 20 something. Uh, yes, I was in my 20s. All right, and then you gave the deposition. And how soon did all hell break loose after that? After the depositions, I would say that a year after that, that was it. I mean, it was just, I mean, there's no words to describe it. I mean, it was so strange because the judge that ordered me to provide the depositions i find out recently through multiple reporters and attorneys that Ron, judge reinhardt who ordered the raid at mar-a-lago who was actually the attorney for sarah um sarah kellen and yeah, sarah Jeffrey, kellen. yes was the one who yeah. actually he clerked for the judge that ordered me to give the depositions Reinhardt clerked for Judge Shapiro. Okay, so all hell breaking loose then. Did that deter you from trying to do a criminal prosecution? 
time, I wasn't even thinking about a criminal prosecution against Leslie Wexner. You thought it all. was normal. You thought I it was just normal. didn't think I, I didn't I didn't really at that time during the 80s. It was just such a different time. I mean, when I look back and I just thought that it was all normal, I didn't actually think there was much to it. And it's strange because the attorneys at the Federal Trade Commission, they did not think there was much to it at the time either. And these were attorneys that worked for the government. They didn't act as if they were concerned at all. They were, they, to put, they were trying <laughs> to put the blame on me for everything with oh, DuPont yeah. model management. They were reversing it and blaming me for everything. What was the first moment in your life when you realized these crimes had been committed? That if it was normalized as a kid, when did you first realize crimes had been committed? It's so hard for me because... It was just so being living in the gay life, being gay and living a gay lifestyle. There was just so much going on in my life. I had at one point 28 offices throughout the United States. I was answer. When did you realize? When did you at what moment did you realize? Not until I would say that I was actually in my 40s. I'm sorry. Okay, no need to apologize, George. No need to apologize. We understand. Yes. The, the, 30s, the, the, how you how you've been conditioned and yeah the, these these people these monsters you know changed your thought processes about this but when when yes. you when you arrived in your forties then and you realized that what what went through your head exactly you know what's so strange I look back at it now and I would say that a lot a lot of the problems that I had I was so confused. At the time, all this happened at 12 years old. And because I was so young, mainly because I was, I felt bad because, because of, I was so afraid that my mother and father were going to find out that I was gay and how Leslie threatened, Alan threatened that they were going to go to my parents. I believe that all of that had an effect on me later on in life. Of course, it would, ha- it would have, an, it would have an effect father. on you for the rest of your life, definitely. Yes, I definitely believe that it did. I mean, during it, at the time, like when I was in my teens and 20s and maybe even early 30s, because my lifestyle was so busy. But then when I started getting older, I realized that, wait, what they did to me was horrible. It wasn't normal. And they tried to normalize it actually believed it was normal and okay but what i'm getting at is that when you had that breakthrough moment when you realize that and look back at your younger self and everything what went through your head i was very upset at the entire group at to tell you the truth i was upset with alan kramer i was upset with david i was upset with all of them leslie wexner I was upset with even Audrey. I thought to myself, this group of savages, these are vicious savages that preyed on young children. Okay. And when I look back and I, and I, even I told the reporter last week, I said, I want all the mothers and fathers to actually protect their sons as well, because you have predators that are out there searching for young boys as well. It's not just young girls. That's right. And that's why this is important. 
and, and, and parents need to realize this and always protect their children. And even I personally would not even let my son, if I had a son, I would not even let my son go into the bathroom by himself. Because you have predators out there. And I remember Alan Kramer and Leslie Wexner would actually cruise bathrooms and pick up, try to pick up young boys in bathrooms even. Uh. And, and I would say, and I look back on it all, and now when I think about it, fathers must protect their sons as well. Not even allowing their sons to go into the bathrooms if they're under the age of, say, 16 by themselves or under 13. To George, always be with them. When you had that realization in your 40s, George, did, did a plan come about to get these guys held responsible? Or did that come later? I am the type of person I'm into meditation and yoga and moving on with my life and praying and i mean i do like a half an hour of meditation every day and i do yoga when i can i have health issues but what i can do yoga i do that every day so i'm the type of person that i felt like i needed to just move on even when the attorneys approached me when vanity fair approached me when even maria approached me yeah. and begged me to come forward fighting with them. And even Stephen Hoffenberg would contact me every day. And he says, let me prepare you. You have to do this for everyone. Everyone yeah. needs you to come forward. And I said, I'm not doing it. I want to move on with my life. I've been through so much that I just want to move on. So Stephen was preparing me when I eventually says, okay, Stephen, I'll do an interview. And he says, okay, fine. Um, and up until he died, he was preparing me and getting me ready. And what did you hope to achieve by doing interviews? Okay, I believe that they have to be exposed for who they are. And they must be exposed. And by me coming forward, being honest about everything, Putting it all out there. And it's not just that we're attacking Leslie Wexner. It's Alan Kramer. It's, um, like I said, Bill Peklo. It's the entire Sarah group. Kellen. Sarah <laughs> we've Kellen. Got, we've got a lot it's of people about, there. It's Leslie about, Brock. We've got a lot of exactly. people Exactly. And it's about, and, okay, and it's about Bruce Weber and yes. the whole entire group. And I believe that it's even about the FBI agents, the government attorneys who knew everything about Wexner when I went to them and during the 80s. It's the FBI who refuses to release all of my um, documents. When they raided my homes, they took all my photos, all my negatives. I want those returned. And even the Wall Street Journal reporter, she said, where are all the tapes? Where are all the videos from Epstein's home? Where are the photographs and the documents? Even, um, I mean, she said, what happened to all the videos that Alan Kramer would package up and send, some, send to somewhere from Chicago? This is dating back to the 70s and 80s. The videos in his penthouse. Everything was being recorded, and they claimed it was being recorded because of the insurance company insuring the art collections. So interviewing a lot of people to do with the Epstein and Maxwell cases then, 
we've looked at the hierarchy of the honey trap operation and i think one of maria's most famous quotes was that wexner was the head of the snake yep in in that department yes do you, do, you, do i'll ask this to both you guys then do you think there's a line that cannot be crossed whereby people above the line will never ever be held accountable people like bill clinton people like prince andrew do you think wexner is above that line yes yes when i when i when i back at the operation to take me out during the 80s just from me going to Leslie Wexner's photographer and Leslie Wexner contacting the DuPont family and John DuPont. That was it. I was totally destroyed. Yeah. He has all, he has so much power. I mean, it's really incredible. I don't know how it works now, but I know I mean, that I know that I should have been murdered on that estate. I don't, I don't know how it didn't happen that Randy Bowie didn't get me to the main house and didn't murder me, but it didn't happen somehow. And, the thing is, like, how many people have been murdered? How many people didn't make it out? How well, many? How weird is it to live with sharpshooters and Dobermans guarding your 330 acres recording everything? How weird is it that all your friends record everything? I mean, it's all it, CIA. Yes, and what bothers me, too, is I don't know why Hulu and a lot of the other so-called podcasters, conspiracy theorists, whatever you want to call them, why they're so afraid to go back to Leslie Wexner's Chicago years. And even um, even um, Roxanne Himmel, I mean, anyone can contact Roxanne Himmel, who was Leslie Wexner's personal interior designer's daughter-in-law. She can even talk about Leslie Wexner's Chicago years and how he, he attended her wedding in Chicago. So... I have no idea where they'll acknowledge his Chicago years, but they never come forward with it. The documentary, when I was communicating with Hulu, they refused to bring up Wexner's Chicago years. Oh my God, years. that's why hilarious. I don't I have, know. I have to say something about that documentary. I referred someone to that documentary and that person, I guess, thought she was famous from it or something. I don't know. And since then has had such... A hilarious, like, know-it-all version of everything, peddling a couple books while having a person literally go through and just try to, you know, shred any anything about me that he can. And and they're going along with the government narrative that yes. the government wants to put out there. It's and so the ironic. FBI conspiracy, and CIA the conspiracy that theorists, wants the conspiracy theorists are defending the government. You can't make it up. Well, let me ask you this thing. There seems to be a pattern. Um, survivors who speak out or anyone who speaks out and, and gets some traction, this, this is like a pattern whereby they, yep. they try to destroy your reputation in the beginning. If that doesn't work, then they put you in prison. And if that doesn't work, then they kill you. Would you say that's, yes. that those three steps is, yes. that applies to you guys? Yes. 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 Yeah. And yes. even it's odd. I mean, because I mean, even like with Maria and I, we're still oh, darn. we I'm are running both, out of you guys. My phone is dying. Oh no. We are, we're both. Hold on. Let um, me go get a charger. Okay. We have, but we're both um, suffering from the same illnesses. Lymphoma. Yeah, we, we both have. We both yeah. have cancer, and we both have lymphoma. No, we both have 
we both have lymphoma, which is like, yes, nuts. which is yeah. odd because what had happened, we're both to me, health I nuts. Was, yes. And I've been eating organic all my life. And it's me odd too. because I was, me too. I was supposed to meet with a reporter from Australia. And that weekend, I became deathly ill and was rushed to hospital. And I find out now that I have lymphoma. What date was that, George, when you were rushed to hospital? In May, I was rushed to the hospital and think, I mean, I was rushed to Northwestern Hospital. And yes. the pain was so unbelievable that, I mean, they, they were oh, like, we, it's horrible. They, they put me through scans and um, it's been horrible. I mean, I was, I was so ill up until like a few days ago, I had to sleep on the floor because of the pain. Now I have some of the top cancer specialists in the country. I have, um, and she, I mean, my doctors are amazing. And um, I mean, it's unbelievable that Maria and I are suffering from the same illness. Well, I mentioned the three steps. The third step is they kill you. Do you think that you've been intentionally exposed to radiation? I don't, I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to get in any type of conspiracy theory, theory or anything like that. I mean, I need to see. Facts well, we do know, we I'm, do know your, we do know your ankle is submitting radiation. Oh it, yes. It's, okay. uh, I mean, I'm still yeah. ordered to wear, um, I can show it to you. Um, and this is so strange. Okay. This is unheard of. They have me wearing an ankle bracelet. Okay. It's unbelievable. Can you see that? Yes. On my ankle. And it has it's 5G. Yeah. Okay. The corrupt judge, you can read about her, and there's a Twitter account data dedicated to her at corrupt read, R E A D E. And I mean, you can read about all of her victims and um, how she has actually incarcerated individuals for over 30 years for marijuana. Oh, it's that's unbelievable. Insane. It's so disgusting. She she's also like very racist, and she doesn't. Oh my god! She does. Yeah. She yeah. made comments about me being gay at my sentencing, and um, she actually made comments about blacks and African Americans. George, does the statute of limitations yes. preclude you from filing a criminal complaint against Wexner now? Okay, we have Biden we just have, changed it. Biden just Biden, changed the law. Biden just changed the law yeah. and our attorneys are reviewing everything as we speak. So the law I've was changed talking. in your favor. Yes, it recently was. And we are I'm communicating with I mean daily with my attorneys and they are working on that. Cuz that would be groundbreaking if a case was oh, announced would be, against Wexner for yes. I know it'd be wonderful. It would be so yes. wonderful. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, the only cases I would have against Wexner would be criminal and the government never um, brought criminal charges because they protected him. Yeah. What's Wexner's status in politics and society now? Is he, is he still all powerful? He he's donating to political campaigns. Yes. Yes. And um Yes. And I just would like to mention something else, too. I mean, you can, p individuals can read um, just different documents that I have posted on my Twitter account at georgebtonks.com. I'm sorry, georgebtonks. George, what, what do you hope to achieve from here? Um, I just, like I said, I, I would, I want these individuals to be held responsible, but I just want to also 
help parents to protect their children from these monsters that are out there because they're still out there. And um, I want to bring light to what took place when I was a child with Alan Kramer, Leslie Wexner. I want um, the authorities held responsible who knew everything. Okay, that's what bothers me. As far as the corrupt FBI agents, the corrupt federal prosecutors, the attorneys at the Federal Trade Commission, who knew all of this back in the 80s and refused to do anything about it. It made me look like I was the villain. And they tried to make it look like I was delusional. I've never had any issues at all. And the way they attacked me and came after me, it was just horrible. And I want those individuals exposed. What about the agents who threatened my employees with decades in prison if they did not lie to the federal grand jury about me in order to get me indicted? I mean, it was just horrible what they did. And individuals don't understand how the federal system in the United States works. Anyone can be indicted. So easy to get a ham indictment. sandwich. A ham sandwich. Exactly. And I mean, okay, a lot of the individuals that have attacked not only Maria, they've attacked me as well as being a fraud, as being delusional, as being crazy. And I'm, I'm going to show a couple crazy. things before we go. Okay. I want to show a couple yes. things before we go. I just wanted to show that, oh, I can't do wow. it this way. I Darn it. Can I yeah. turn it or? I can see the pictures. Wow. Who's that in the red? Vicky. <laughs> Vicky Ward. Vicky Ward. Oh, who's that? I wish I could show it properly. It wow. won't let me. Can I turn can I oh, turn I love this it. around? It's beautiful. This is the first time I've these are this is the first time you're actually No, but I want to show Wexner. Okay, we've got that, a lot. Okay, of them. you showed you showed Jeffrey Epstein hanging. Wait, can you see Wexner? Oh, there's Wexner. You asked if he had a lot of power. I'm calling him the Wizard of Was. Okay. Do you so, think? Do you think, George? Where that is he land? Wow! Wow! Why the heck can I make it? How do you turn the screen around? Can I do it? Or I turn it the other way? No. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. It's like what? Do you guys think that Wexner and Epstein had sexual relations? Okay. Oh, heavens, yes. In my yes. opinion, the reason yes. why okay, the yes. reason why I say that is because yes, I do believe that because Stephen Hoffenberg um, told me that he believed that they did as well. And this Stephen Wow, look at that. The magicians. I wish you could make it go close. Fantastic. Very strange. Anyway. Sorry guys. Can you <laughs> I have show, to go because can... my phone is dying. So I have to get off, but I just wanted to show show those before I got off. Oh, well, really appreciate this, Maria. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank you for... Um, where, can the for viewers, where can the viewers find you and support you these days? Oh, that's so sweet. Well, right now, I'm, I'm in the middle of... I'm getting ready to get married, and I'm moving. Oh, and so... <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm also fighting, you know, the cancer. So, um, but, but I'm going to have an art opening soon. And it's not uh, this series. It's another series that's really yeah. powerful. I've been working very, very hard. And I can't wait to show you everything. So, oh, and by the way, congratulations on your um, marriage, Maria. And yes. I cannot wait to see your 
homes that you're decorating. Okay, have a wonderful year. I mean, <laughs> good night. Yeah, congratulations, Maria. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank much, you. Much love from London. Thank you, Maria. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Maria. Okay, George. I mean, this is just yes. gra- groundbreaking. What you you're, what you're telling me in in light of everything that we've yes. learned about the other elite predators, and- we've not had this level of this depth of knowledge about the activities of wex i've not heard this from anybody so do you have yes. have any other people um you know perhaps boys that were in, in indoctrinated into these parties of any anyone else okay yes okay there are a few that okay i i know and they're married with children and they're afraid to come forward because they do not want their family members to know that they were involved in gay activity at that time and they do not want to come public. They do not want to uh, come public with it. And even the um, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, she said, "Can you convince them to just meet with me, even if I have to fly to wherever they are? I mean, it would be um, a private meeting." And they just refused. They'd rather just move on with their life. And George, you've talked about holding Wexner accountable. What about Dupont? Yes. Okay, John Dupont is deceased. He died in prison. And John, after, um, I'm sure that you're aware that he had shot um, David Schultz. And um, early on, um, John, before that had happened, I was introduced, I mean, I actually moved in with John and his mother before all of that took place. Um, John has had major issues after his mother died. Yes. And, and were those issues exacerbated by drug or alcohol? Um, yes, they were. Drugs and alcohol. Yes. Yes. All right, George. Is there anything you'd like to say in conclusion then before we tell the viewers where they can find you? Um, no, not at this time. Um, it was just a very... I'm, I'm glad that I was able to speak with you. And um, yes. I'm glad you've been and able to speak with me as you. well. It's mind-blowing, and I really appreciate you sharing the story with us, your story. And tell the yes. viewers where they can find you on social media, please. Okay, yes. You can um, find me on Twitter at George B. Tonks, and you'll see I have do- court documents, photographs. Yes. All right. I wish you, you know, have a great rest of your day. It's almost, it's getting late here in London, so I'm going to go bed here shortly. But thanks again. Thanks again for spending time with us. Thank you, Sean. If there's anything we can do, you just let us know. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers, George.